Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Tonight, I'm joined by two returning guests, GameShark's Bill Abner and PC Gamer's Dan Stapleton. Bill and Dan, thanks for coming back. It's a pleasure. Thank you for, yeah. thank you for having me. Uh, tonight, we'll be talking about Dawn of War 2 Retribution, and the first thing I wanted to bring up was something strange I've noticed while preparing for this episode. Nobody seems that interested in this expansion, and that in itself I find really surprising. I had a bizarrely difficult time uh, finding panelists who were excited to discuss Retribution. And, you know, in, this, in the last week of trying to produce this, this particular episode, I started to wonder, are we all starting to suffer from a bit of Warhammer fatigue? Well, I'd, uh. I'd just like to chime in and say that the, those people that weren't interested are jerks. <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, I, I personally, I was, I, you know, having played all these games, I was, I was very excited about this one just because um, all the last ones have been very good, and I, I'm a big fan of Relic, what the, and what they do, and they always, uh, they always produce a quality game at, at the very least. So, I mean, it, I, I knew it was going to be a good time. Yeah, I don't know about necessarily Warhammer fatigue. Maybe Dawn of War two specific fatigue um i i've i've always enjoyed the games as well i i'm one of those at least i consider myself kind of rare when it comes to the fact that i usually play the single player game as more than i do the multiplayer and the single player game in dawn of war 2 has its its share of issues um i'm never going to have warhammer fatigue i I just won't i've been playing warhammer (laughs) games since you know 1990 so that's 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 a non non non-starter for me but I, th- I do get the feeling that a lot of people are ready for Relic to sort of turn the page. You know what I mean? I don't know if Retribution actually did that. So it might be fatigue just for the series. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of fair to say that 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 uh, Dawn of War Two is is kind of an experiment, and it, it's definitely a big experiment experiment actually in the in the way that the the single player uh, campaign has has and co op campaign have uh, have. You know, taking shape, and that, and that they're they're really not, in my opinion, RTS games so much as action RPG. Sure. Um, and you know, for for a lot of people uh, who you know look to Relic for RTS, they might be ready for that to to move on. Although, I, and you know, getting back to the Warhammer fatigue thing, for me, I don't think that has anything to do with it because I'm I'm not outside of Relic's strategy games. I am not a Warhammer fan at all. Like the the universe just doesn't really appeal to me at all. Both um, fantasy and and 40k. Yeah, I, I mean it's it, like I'm not a big fantasy guy in general, and the, mm-hmm. um, so that that isn't really big for me. And then the the 40k universe is just such a mishmash of like, well, let's throw everything in there. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's it clashes with itself. It's it's this bizarre mix of of you know hard sci-fi and comic relief and um, and uh, you know, modernized you know sci-fi versions of fantasy races, and um, and you know, really taking itself seriously, and it's all the, all this crazy stuff that yeah. to me doesn't really form a cohesive sci-fi universe. That's fair. Um, I think that's very fair. Right, but and you know, I but I enjoy the game, so I I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, just as an aside on, on the nature of the universe, I I personally. I, I just love the sheer over the topness of this of this universe. Um, I have a friend, uh, J.P. Grant. He's a, he's another uh, writer here in Boston. You know, he he's sort of he's really gotten into this universe in, in the last you know in the last several months. In, in part, I think because it's just so 
gleefully gothically depressing. Um, and, and I don't think, you know, I don't think it, it, it really necessarily hangs together, but where I think it really excels is in these little, these little vignettes. Um, if you, if you've ever gotten your hands on like a Warhammer codex book, for instance, and there's all these little like short stories or little quotes from characters talking about something in the universe. And they're always these like ghastly tales of, you know, murder, mayhem, slaughter, uh, the most fatalistic, you know, quotes you can possibly imagine. And nobody would ever say this, but it's it's wonderful to think of a universe where people really do think like this. This is, you know, people really do live this way. Well, Warhammer has evolved over the years, um, particularly 40K. Um, I've always been more of a traditional Warhammer fantasy fan. I mean, because really that's more of a, almost a low fantasy compared to a high fantasy universe because really it's basically 15th century Germany just with, you know, new names and <laughs> throw in some orcs. It's, you know, whereas 40K is, has, has always been more, more over the top, but it's sort of changed within the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years. It used to be, it, it it's always been serious. You know, what you're talking about, how, you know, it kind of takes itself too seriously and it did, but it didn't, also have that ridiculous side to it and that's 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 sort of been its metamorphosis and i'm not nearly as attracted to the 40k universe as as i am fantasy because of that uh be, but what because of the about, ridiculousness Rob, yeah yeah i mean it the orcs have always been ridiculous mm. always um going back to the beginning when 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 they were created um they're 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 the soccer hooligans both in fantasy and and in 40k but the rest of the world has sort of also played up on that as well, and that's that's not always been how how it was written. Um, you sh- you should go back and read uh, if you're interested, Rob. Some of those some of the old short stories, um, and there's been 40k novels, and and some of them aren't bad. Some of them aren't just your typical fantasy trashy novel. Some of them are actually pretty good, and it gives you a really good sense of what that world is like, at least back in the 80s. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not like saying that the everything in the in the canon is is crap. I'm I'm just saying it it doesn't. Oh, no. Yeah, it it doesn't it doesn't really grab me. I'm more of a Star Trek Star Wars guy, um, and e- even those universes have a lot of crap in them. But <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, so how how is the universe how has the universe become more ridiculous? Because I, I think. You know, to me, I don't, I don't pick up on the nuances of how how um, 40k has evolved. But I'm curious, like, you know, you know, taking what we find in uh, Retribution, what are some of the hallmarks of the new 40k? Okay, well, I'll just give you one example. They got rid, and this doesn't necessarily go to the ridiculous part, but there used to be dwarves in 40k. I mean, really? if you notice, there aren't any. You don't see anything like that. And uh, they were they were called squats. They were they were your they were your typical dwarves, but they were in space, um, and and they and 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 they cut those out, and they added a lot of stuff that was very much over the top, particularly on the chaos side of things, to where chaos was a little bit more malevolent, a little bit more power behind the throne kind of thing. Now everything is just kill, 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 kill. Stuff like the noise marines. Noise marines. They're literally marines with guitars. <laughs> and now that's something that, that that's that's not 
just made for retro. That that's a real 40k thing. But the first time I saw them in 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 a White Dwarf magazine, it was literally a palm palm to the forehead moment. It was like, okay, it's jumping the shark at this point. Now in in uh, oh yeah, I, I'm looking at at the the Wikipedia page for them now. Like I, I didn't even realize in 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 Retribution, I I don't think they actually have the the guitars. Uh, or if they if they really if they are guitars they they don't they they've kind of uh, you know gothed them up enough that they mm-hmm. don't really look like guitars anymore. Um, so I, 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 I didn't really get that idea. I was like, oh, these are guys with sonic guns, which um, no, the miniatures are guitars. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it's crazy. I'm looking at the the Warhammer 40k wiki right now, and it's it's this guy with and he's got like a pink and purple, yeah, pr- pink and green and gold guitar looking thing. It's, it's yeah, so that's ridiculous. absurd. But yeah, fortunately, Relic has taken a, a little bit darker take on it. But yeah, should, should we cover uh, with with Retribution specifically, like what what this one does? I mean, that's different from the last one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, now, I I didn't actually play too much. Um, I I didn't play too much of Dawn of War two, or uh, I, I missed uh, I missed Chaos Rising entirely. Really? So perhaps uh, yes, I I, I absolutely did. I'm I'm getting that impression now that I'm starting to read what people are saying about this one. Yeah, you know, you know, Bill, I'm 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 glad to hear you say that the Chaos Rising was was the best one for, for you as well, because at least the the single player campaign of that one I think is is considerably stronger than than either uh, of the other two. Absolutely. Right. Um, although it did have its problems, which we can discuss in a bit. But uh, this one, for for anybody who who isn't super familiar with with uh, Retribution. Um, it adds to the the campaign. For one thing, you're able to play as any of six races through pretty much the same campaign. Um, so you can play as the the uh, space marines, the orcs, the Eldar, the Tyranids. There's a Tyranids or Tyranids. Tyranids. Uh, Tyranids. I've actually heard it multiple ways, but <laughs> so, uh, so pronounce it however you like. Yeah, and I then there's know. yeah, then there's the Imperial Guard, and did I say orcs? I, I, I kind of lost track of my. my well, they're, they're in there. <laughs> they are. So there, there are six sides you can play through. Um, another, another key difference is in the the previous Dawn of War two games, um, the, in the single player and uh, slash co op campaign, uh, you only controlled four uh, hero units. That and that's, this is why I call it more of an action RPG. It it plays like a lot like Freedom Force really, um, where you're controlling these four guys and. Um, you know, leveling them up with, with and equipping them with different gear and things like that. They they play using RTS controls, but it's it's you're not managing any economy. You're you're just controlling the, them and their abilities, uh, much like you know, like four League of Legend characters at the same time. Um, what what this one does is it it adds back in some RTS elements in that you're you're able to build troops uh, and reinforce on the battlefield. At least the way it seems to me is you're kind of you're you're kind of given a choice at various stages. Like, do you want more gear for your hero, or do you want a new unit to be available to you in the missions? Right. So it's it's uh, it's trying to to please everybody in that like it, it wants to to give you the option to to build a bunch of of units, or you can leave and you can do that by leaving uh, some of your hero units at home, you know, benching them basically. Um, and leave, leave them at home for, for certain missions, and you're able to have a, a higher population cap when you want to build your reinforcements. Uh, alternatively, you can take all of your, your hero units with you and build a smaller number of reinforcements um, and put all of your, your uh, character development points 
into your heroes uh, as opposed to unlocking new types of, of reinforcements. But, uh, but yeah, in, in my opinion, it, it kind of dilutes, uh, it particularly it dilutes the, the, the fun of the heroes because um, you can't really customize them as much as you could in the last two games. Um, and like, like in, in the last two games, you at least had the option of taking uh, one of your heroes who is, who is by default focused a, as a melee or, uh, or ranged guy. And you can you can change that. Like if you put enough points into it, you can you can focus him on you know and, and use him in a different way than than it's kind of leading you to do, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, and going back going back to Chaos Rising and your point about that, I I recall in Chaos Rising going to the RPG part of it, you had to make some really tough choices. Mm-hmm. You know, who are you bringing? You know, are you going to bring the dreadnought? Which I always did. I had the dreadnought on every mission. In, in that one, you had there, there were six, or, or I guess were there more than six squads in, the, in Chaos Rising? I forget, but uh, there were there were more than more than four squads there, um, or you know heroes that you could take, and you had to decide which of those four you were going to, yeah. which which four of those you were going to take. Yeah, and it's so you so like it's it's kind of like a Bioware RPG. It's like which which of your companions are you are you going to take? You know, um, do you take the sniper? Do you take Cyrus the scout? Do you bring do you take the assault marines? You have to kind of look and see what the mission might be. Well, I might need him for this one, and you miss a lot of that in Retribution. I I never struggled at all with with layouts, you know, for missions, and I and I I miss that a great deal. I, I did. I did struggle a bit with with deciding whether or not to take a certain hero, um, just be or take a hero, take a hero. Sorry, or take uh, you know expanded pop cap population cap, and you also get like an honor guard, slightly buffed up version of of, yeah. a, of a standard unit. Um, mostly because the the heroes are you know even though like I said they they they're kind of diminished, they're still so powerful that it, it's it's hard for me to leave them at home. Yeah, and that's straight 40k and Warhammer in general, and really something going back to the tabletop game, which is something I've never personally cared for. Um, I've I have played a lot of the miniatures game, and that's right. The heroes in Warhammer are army strong. Mm-hmm. They they are, and it's and it's to the point of getting back to the ridiculousness part of it. It is. I mean, when you have one really buffed up commissar. You know, killing just swaths of orcs—it's kind of silly. It's kind of almost, you know, B movie action stuff. But I, but I mean, for for what Relic has done with it, I think that that is a, a huge draw of it for me. Because even though I don't I don't care about the universe, I don't really care about the characters. Mm-hmm. It it's an amazing spectacle because Relic animates the the hell out of it, and it looks fantastic. And so I thought I, that I, point was even better in Chaos Rising. Right. You know, it's uh, because you had a lot of, you know, stand and fight missions like that with with your heroes just kicking a lot of booty, right? And and uh, like one one of the reasons I, I think that um, that Retribution's campaign is nowhere near as good as uh, as Retribution's or sorry as, uh, as as Chaos Rising, Retribution not as good as Chaos Rising, um, is because because they allow you to play through as any of the six races. Mm-hmm. Um, it it just seems so kind of watered down and like it like i i mean the, the all the all the races are similar enough like they they've all got um you know a, a heavy weapons guy a caster a, a melee guy and the, and the the commander um except for the tyranids who have are they are a bit different but um 
so, I mean, they're similar enough, but but not they're not different enough to make playing through as the you know as a different army different feel really different, and therefore the missions aren't tailored to to abilities, um, and therefore it's it's just not a memorable experience. Well, and that's I mean that's something we should get into a little bit is just how weirdly designed this campaign is. So so the way it works is. It's the same campaign. It's the same map, and most of the beats are the same, right? It's telling oh, yeah, the story. Absolutely. Yeah, it's telling the yeah. same story just from different angles. Right, and the way it's telling a different story, but using all the same maps, is basically like when the characters appear and start to talk, you just get different. You get different characters in there who are chatting with each other during these missions. Different hero enemies, different, and uh, your different heroes will have different conversations. Yeah. It's a nifty concept, but I mean, I cannot express how disappointed I was when, you know, after I've been co-oping, um, you know, with a friend playing the uh, the Imperial Guard campaign, you know, he, he logs off, and I'm like, well, I don't want to continue my campaign. I'll, you know, I'll start the uh, I'll start the Space Marine campaign. Right. And I'm like, because I, I had read nothing about this game, I, I was going completely cold. Start the Space Marine campaign. I'm like, okay, is this a tutorial map? Is the tutorial just the same? And now, like, no, it's the it's it's the exact same campaign. You know, when you say it's it's, it's not as tailored for me, that was for me that was the that was the big problem. If the same map is going to work, if the same obstacles are going to present themselves, and it has to work with every single faction, I kind of feel it, it drives it drives each faction story toward a really generic feel. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, and and that that was that was like I, I kind of went through the same thing except except I, like you know having having spoken to Relic about it, I was expecting, like you know they said oh yeah using the same maps but you know we shuffle up the enemies we shuffle up uh, the map order things like that. I, I was expecting a lot more variation than I got, um, and when I when I I played through two almost well probably a total of like four times all told, um, like I, I and. And yeah, it, it, like the the second time I played through was a, as a Tyranid, so it was a bit different. But then, and, and the first time was the Imperial Guard. But then I started, um, you know, a, a third a third time through as Chaos, and it was the exact same thing all over again. I'm like, I I, I just ha- I started to struggle doing it. Um, yeah. It's like I I don't want to play these missions again. I just played them. Yep, I'm right there with you. I think it was a response to fan and critic criticism with you know with their with their first two games in the series that they've always people have always wanted. Hey, let me do a campaign as the Yorks. Right. You know, they've no, always see, they've always wanted to 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 see that. But this is this why you fact, shouldn't listen to your fans. <laughs> well, I well, think it, the it, idea is fine. I think you know because having a really cool orc campaign would be great. But yeah. if but when you look at Chaos Rising structure. Of how that campaign was structured, where you you were on you were on a world, you know they throw you on whatever the worlds are called, I remember, and Calderas, there you go, and you had options, you know, almost like a Rise of Nations kind of thing, where you can go this way, you can go that way, you can go to the north, you can go to the south. Here, it's not really like that, where you're just recycling the same things over again. So it's not, it's not how I envisioned it. Put it that way. Uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, that's that's another another reason this campaign isn't as good is that it is so. So much of a, a, a linear gauntlet, whereas uh, you know the, the first one and and par- parts of the second one 
uh, were a much more wide open thing. So even even though they they reused the maps frequently, there were multiple ways you could go through them. In this, it's just a narrow corridor. You're just going from one group of enemies to the next group of enemies to the next group of enemies, um, and you know just basically having very similar fights over and over again, um, and not having any real decisions about where to go or how to approach your objective. Um, and it it could like if they had if they had taken the more open approach, I'd have at least have had three paths I could take to get from one corner of the map right. to the to the other corner of the map. Well, and that that the point about decisions is kind of my problem. Well, really, with with the entire structure of the campaign, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure Chaos Rising would necessarily solve it. Although it sounds like a much better campaign. So yeah, my my problem with a decision like bring your hero out or bring extra units out is I, I kind of get frustrated that that decisions got basically those those two those two decisions have to be equivalent, right? Like really, the mission's got to be completable either way, and the challenges are going to be the the exact same. So it starts to feel like it's not going to make a real significant difference whether or not I bring the hero unit out or whether it bring the bring the extra military units out. So so uh, like you want to have one of those options be a dead end where it's not solvable. You know, I I wanted to I wanted to go a different way, right? You know, it it may not be a real well thought out criticism, honestly. <laughs> um, I mean, no, I, I, I'll be straight up because you know, stumped by Dan. Well played. Well, no, I, I mean, it's it's a totally fair thing to say. You you want more more consequence for that decision, um, you know, it, it, because um, it, it's it's just it's a different set of tools for solving the same problem. Right. That's exactly uh, right. Right. Um, and so. So th- there's not as much variation as there could be, perhaps. Um, but and and but I, I think you know the, the the problem at the core of retribution is that relics spread themselves too thin in making it. Um, you know they, they they tried to do they tried to do too much with not enough resources. Um, you know by making this campaign playable, from you know in so many different ways, um, they weren't able to to make each of those ways feel unique enough. Well, and to go back to the you know point about not listening to your fans, I mean, to an extent, I mean, this is this comes up over and over again in the show. You know, you will always have fans requesting something that if you try to deliver it, you you might you might you know miss the mark, or you you, you know you're sp- you might sp- end up spreading yourself too thin. And I'm just thinking back to uh, the first Dawn of War, and I was really surprised that you know I finished the Space Marine campaign, and I was like, is that it? Because that was you know that was the only campaign. But on the other hand, I actually remember really enjoying that campaign. Like all RTS campaigns, kind of suffer from similar problems, but I remember having a lot of fun with that campaign because just spending an entire game hanging out with um, Gabriel and uh, uh, whatever the librarian's name. Oh, um, yeah, he wasn't my favorite character, even though he was kind of overpowered. Yeah, but I mean, he was tough. But but sort of the developing the developing relationship and the and the character twist like you'd see who was going to turn evil coming from a mile away, but still it was it it was a satisfying it was a satisfying narrative. I didn't get to the end of that like thinking, gee, if if only we could have if only we could have explored the orcs more, you know, if only we could have really dug deep on the motivation of the chaos, you know, I, I did I didn't have I didn't have that urge. I was I was happier that we had a a more complete more more tailored story and i'm not sure like i i think you're all 
if you try to throw in a story for every race, I mean, there's a lot of races in in an RTS game, and they're not all equally suited to telling stories. And I think the Tyranids are the most problematic example of this. You know, the, the Tyranids are, are kind of the off-camera monster, right? You know, right. they're supposed to be coming through the door, you know, here's Johnny. And, if you know, do you really do you want to know what, what their story is? I, I really don't. Yeah, I mean, their their entire story in the campaign is there's something, let's kill it. Except it's it said like kill, kill. Yeah, that yeah. was hard for me to play with the Tyranids because of that. Yeah, because I, of was, the constant kill, 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 all the hissing and stuff. It, uh, that really annoyed me. Yeah, it's like I, I don't really need to be told to kill, kill, yeah. kill because I'm playing yeah, as this I, monster thing. I kind of got that idea. I got the point right. Yeah, I mean they they, they it was it was unnecessary, but I was glad the Tyranids were in there because they are the, they are the most unique to play as because they only have the one hero. Um, so it, it, it actually makes a lot of the decisions for you mm-hmm. in that it forces you to leave your 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 overpowered heroes at home. But um, but yeah, I, I I agree, Robin, in that I I would I really would have liked to see Relic. Um, in their in their standalone expansions, like uh, to to make campaigns for the new races that they add, um, like if if this had just been an Imperial Guard campaign, I wouldn't have been pissed off that I didn't get to play another campaign as the Space Marines, um, especially since the 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 what carries over from one game to the next is so limited. I mean, there's there's just not very much. Uh, like they, they did import the saves be- between. Um, between Dawn of War 2 and Chaos Rising, but it, it didn't really make a, a, that big a difference. Um, so I, I would have really liked to have seen, like, if, if Chaos Rising had been a Chaos campaign, that would have been cool. If, if this one had been an Imperial Guard campaign, that would have been cool. And, and you know, rather, rather, than, rather than spreading the resources, then. I see why they did it, but I don't think that it was the best use of the resources. So do you guys, I mean, do you guys, does the action RPG aspect of this game really work for you guys? I get, I get annoyed in the sense I love you know you give me stats to tweak and give me items to shift around and what's the best loadout here for this guy and all that I you know I can do that all day. I do. I've always been annoyed with the Dawn of War two mission structure, and most of the time, actually, I think this is one of the strengths of Retribution. Uh, because they kind of went away from this a little bit. They still kind of fall back into it some, but not as much. Chaos Rising was pretty bad for this, too, is that most of the maps, you start in one corner, slog your way through, you get up to the top, and you fight this big boss fight. And it got very monotonous. Whereas in Retribution, the, the, the end of each mission sequence would change. You know, there was, there was the one where you had to stop a convoy, which I thought was really cool. Right, you know, the truck just kept coming. You just had to just keep blasting them, I and mean, it, it and it wasn't just some super powered, you know, huge orc that you had to kill. Which to me, yes, it is action RPG type things, but still, I'm I'm still in the back of my head thinking this is still a real time strategy game as well, and it and it never really fit um, to where I've got these four really buffed up heroes, and there's one orc that I'm trying to kill. I'm hitting him with orbital bombardments and doing everything I can. Takes me half hour to kill this guy, so that that got old. But the actual leveling up and stuff, I always enjoy that. Uh, I, I agree that the the boss battles are are a weak point uh, simply because um, the the thing that is least fun about a game like that, where you're managing four guys at once, and it it does let you pause and give orders, but they 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 don't let you rebind the pause key, and they put it up. It's like the the pause button on on uh, on the keyboard. And so it's like furthest away from anything you're doing. 
Um, so it's, it's really inconvenient to do. So you can pause and give orders, but I never do. So I'm always trying to manage it in real time. The most, most obnoxious thing the game can do to me in that, in that, that environment is a one hit kill. And mm -hmm. some of those bosses do the one hit kill and that drives me nuts. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, so other than that though, I mean, I, I think it does work. I, I was a big fan of freedom force and oh, yeah. for, for pretty much the same reasons, you know, I, I, I really enjoy, uh, having these, these characters with their, that I, I can micromanage their powers. Like in, in a lot of RTSs, uh, you know, the, like all the units have special abilities, but I, I really struggle to keep up and use all of them. You know, I'm, I'm no, I'm no pro Starcraft two player, so I can't. I can't cast my my Protoss force fields everywhere like like some of those guys can. So it's it's frustrating for me to to have all these abilities and not have the the mm -hmm. uh, reflexes mm -hmm. necessarily to use them. Whereas in in Dawn of War, I I really enjoy having being able to concentrate on just a couple guys and use those abilities to the to their their full effect. Yeah, I'm the exact same way. Uh, when when you get into the more traditional RTS, I struggle mightily. I, I, I've always been that way, and I've been playing the damn thing since Dune. So you, <laughs> you think at some point I either just stop playing them or get better? Uh, I, I've always had a problem with that. Well, I mean, I, I mean, and you know, don't don't get me wrong. I I think I still enjoy the hell out of RTSs, um, but that that is a frustrating aspect of them that Dawn of War, uh, you know that. It, it, it alleviates because because it lets me it lets me concentrate on that. So it, it takes away all the other things that I'm spending my attention on uh, in in an RTS, like managing my economy and building new units, and lets me concentrate on on the flashy abilities. So it's it's a it's a different sort of thing, but it, but it's it's satisfying in a different way. You know, action RPGs are not really my are not really my favorite genre. Uh, but it, but if I were to play one, I I wouldn't play this one. And it strikes those. It just ends up in this in this really weird place between, you know, being a strategy game or being a tactical game, however you however you want to put it, and being sort of a Diablo clone. And that's just it's an uncomfortable space for me. And it, you know, going back to what I was saying about what what bothers me about like choosing between units or heroes, I think what what really kind of gets me is the fact that I mean, like heroes, the levels are really designed to sort of. You know they're they're all very guided. They're all very narrow corridors. They kind of you know wind and twist their way through the map because you know you're supposed to move linearly, right? And you know for me like for me like units, you know when I play when I play a tactical game, I need you know to me that's a very wide experience. You know that's something where I need to be able to maneuver and sort of use them to their best advantage. And if they're being sort of forced to play a hero's game, well then it's kind of like those old. Um, you know, you remember like in StarCraft or uh, Command and Conquer, you know, those, those, those tedious indoor missions, right? right? Where suddenly, you know, you're just in a goddamn hallway, you know, for the <laughs> entire mission. You know, no explanation why, but, you know, here's your tank. It's in a hallway. Uh, we have to get to the lab. Um, and, you know, and that was the entire mission, you know, turn, you know, turn left here. And that's just, I, I found that stuff so excruciating and so frustrating. And, you know, Dawn of War doesn't much better. I mean, the, the, you know, the state of that particular art has come such a long way. But nonetheless, I feel like you, you put units in that context. Um, and it's like, you know, they're, they're fish out of water. Because really, you know, it's like, it's like dropping a, an infantry company into torchlight or something. Except even more <laughs> confined. Right. And, and you know, I... I, I... Certainly agree with you on on those those missions where in RTS games where 
you have the the base management taken away from you and you're just managing these 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 units that are not designed for that type of gameplay um and it, they, they like you said it's a very fish out of water thing especially having just come from playing a mission where that where that exact unit was expendable um and all of a sudden i have i i have i have no choice but to keep that guy alive um but you know, for for me, when, when it is taken and put in its own game, and the entire game is like that, and, and it's consistent, uh, I, I don't really have that problem. Talking about the indoor stuff, uh, I thought that some of the best missions from both Chaos Rising and from Retribution were the ones inside the Space Hawks. Mm. I we're, love those. We're fighting Tyranid. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Man. What made those work for you? That's because that's right out of the board game. That's <laughs> right out of the Space Hawk board game. And the minute that I saw them on Space Hawk is like, gene stealers. <laughs> they're they're, they're of course, gene stealers at me. Of course, for that you couldn't use uh, couldn't use any of your orbital strike abilities. Right, right, right. I I I thoroughly enjoyed those. Yeah. So you know, going back to um, you know, sort of how these how these factions are portrayed, we 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 sort of touched on how how they're presented in the campaign game. Uh, I'm I'm wondering how did you guys feel about each of these factions has such a strong identity. How how do you feel? How good a job do you feel Retribution does of communicating what these guys are all about when you're playing them in a multiplayer game? In a multiplayer game. Yeah, when you're when you're playing the the faction, not not how they're presented in the story, okay. but just when you're playing the faction. I mean, I think they do they do a good job. Of, uh, you mean? Do you mean as as? Uh, do you mean representing them in terms of how uh, their their characters are represented, or how their how their tactics are are represented relative to their their personalities? Yeah, kind of the latter, like communicating what this faction is all about um, and how how it's different from the others. I, I do think they do a pretty good job. I mean, if you look at the Space Marines versus the the Tyranids, for example. The Space Marines have have fewer heavily armored units. The Tyranids have, uh, you know, a bajillion little guys running around um, that that are that are much more squishy. Um, the the Orcs have, I think, less of a personality to them um, because they're they're kind of in the middle there, um, and they're by I, I guess it is kind of according to their their um, their personality that it's they have kind of a scatterbrained assortment of units. Um, yeah, and then um, uh, the Imperial Guard. I think they did a good job with it because they've got and they the get armor too. so early. Absolutely, because Eld- the Eldar are so fragile, right. very fragile to play. And yep. as far as thematically, Rob, I think they do. A, I think that they they do a wonderful job. I mean, because really, honestly, it's right there for them. You know, all Relic has to do is read the codexes and get an idea of what does what. And they've they have done a great job, I think, of not getting too far outside the lines so I, I i was very happy with that yeah what, what kind of prompted the question was and see i i haven't played the i haven't played the tabletop game um uh, it was always one of those things where i mean i can't paint a miniature not to save my life and if you can't do that i'm not sure i'm not sure i see the fun there i'm the um, same way by the way i've never, I, never played the tabletop i also can't afford I, I cannot and will never be able to afford a really good extensive set of miniatures um, so that's just not something I want to get into. It's like taking, getting a drug habit. Um, yes, it is. It's, <laughs> it's, it can get bad. But so, but it's one of those things where even though I don't play the game, I love to look at the rule books. I love to look at the catalogs. Um, and, and what kind of caught me off guard here is you know playing the Tyranids. 
I have a problem. I kind of am disappointed in the way the Tyranids play, and, I, and I'm curious whether this is actually a carryover from you know from the tabletop game. Because I mean, for me, the the, the real moment that kind of you know brings me up short is when I see Tyranids um, like breaking under fire and sort of freaking out and starting to like just crawl around the map. I'm like, that doesn't seem very. That does not seem very Tyranid. Well, are they breaking under fire, or are they suppressed? Well, they're they're suppressed, but I don't know. Like at least you know from from the source material you read, what makes the what makes the Tyranids terrifying is that they don't they don't get frightened, right? You know what I mean? They don't they don't spook. They just they just keep coming. Like you've got you know a limited amount of time before they hit your line and tear you to shreds with their claws. You can either kill them before they get that close, or you're dead. That's that's an excellent point. I mean, wh- why mm-hmm. why would something that does not fear death be suppressed? And you're suppressed because you're trying to trying to avoid getting shot, right? Yeah, theoretically. So I mean, so I mean, Bill, can you can you explain why the Tyranids are kind of freaking out like a uh, like game a, like a mechanic? I know <laughs> that's exactly the reason. Is it, is it is it the same sort of dissonance in the uh, tabletop game? No, no. Your your gene stealers aren't breaking and running. Um, there are units in the Tyranid army that are more cognizant of that. But your base gene stealer Tyranid unit, no. They're they're going to they're like ants. You know, right, they're gonna come at you in a swarm and they're all they're all either they're either gonna kill you or they're gonna die. Right. I, I mean the, the, the retreating mechanic is you know, it, it does make it makes relics games, you know, unique. Uh, but it doesn't really uh, uh, seem to to fit very well with with the Tyranids' uh, motif, I guess. It, I mean, it, it 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 does make sense. Like, if there is a, a guiding intelligence that wants to to uh, conserve its resources right. and doesn't and doesn't isn't just firing and forgetting, um, it does make sense for them to withdraw when when they are losing. But it doesn't make sense for them to to be suppressed. So re- retreating, yes. Suppression, no. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's just it, you know that was the one thing that you know playing it. I you know it was during a multiplayer match, and I and I watched like a group of my Tyranids just freeze in a crossfire. Like, and all they have to do is run like ten feet, and right. they can shut down that bolter. You know, rip him to shreds, and they just can't do it. And I just had this moment where I was like, you know. You know, all these other factions, I, I really like sort of how they, they grasp the essential element in this game. And I just was a little disappointed that they, they weren't, maybe maybe the way this game is designed, maybe the way the system works, you can't do that. But I was still a little disappointed that they couldn't find a way to make the Tyranids play, to, to really get their, to really bring out their otherness, right? Mm. You know, what, what makes the Tyranids so scary is they're unlike any other, be- any other being in this galaxy. And that that does uh, you know raise a, a very a very daunting balancing task though I mean to, oh, to, yeah. in order in order to make a, a, a race that asymmetrical that that one of the one of the fundamental uh, parts of, of this game's combat which which is you know suppressing with with, uh, with range weapons and that, that's that is most of the use of range weapons in in this game because uh, melee is so powerful and and range weapons are so kind of kind of not powerful <laughs> at all um, it, it would it would require a massive rebalancing to, to have um, all all tyranid units ignore uh, suppression 
Yes, and if there's one thing that Warhammer is not known for, it's balance. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Really? Is is that's oh, a major yeah. problem? Oh, with the... yes, 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 yes. You balance is not something. It, Warhammer as a miniatures game, it's so thematic, you know, and so much of the hobby is building your army and painting your army and showing your buddies, look how awesome my army looks. Then when you actually play it, it was like, oh, wow, those guys died fast. <laughs> you know, that, yeah, balance has never been the miniatures game's strong suit. You know, I remember, like, once when I was, um, this was when I was middle school, I came, like, within a hair's breadth of getting into it before I realized my allowance wasn't going to cover uh, a Warhammer habit. Um, but, <laughs> you know, sorry, Mom, I stole money from your purse to buy, buy a squad of Ogrens. Yeah. Same um, thing happened to me with Magic, by the way. Yeah, mm. but, but the thing is, my friends were putting together this little league. And I'm like, you know, okay, I, you know, I would, I would love to play in your your little wargaming league. Like, so, you know, who's left to play? And they're like, oh, Imperial Guard. <laughs> Everyone else has been taken. And I was like, okay, yeah, the Imperial Guard, they sound pretty badass. And my friend, who's the Tyranid player, just started cracking up. <laughs> he was like, oh man, you're gonna, get, you're gonna get screwed. See, that's a shame because I always liked the Guard. But now you're I've right. I've got a soft spot right. for them. You're right. They have. They are. They are the punching bag of the 40k universe. I mean, they are the. They are the regular army grunts people. But I always thought that they were. That they were pretty cool. I always liked them. Well, the, the, I mean, they're definitely. They're definitely portrayed as, as the punching bags in the first two Dawn of War two games, mm-hmm. um, because they, they, you know you're, you're the space marines and you're running around and and uh, you know kicking the crap out of the tyranids and the and chaos. And then um, when when uh, whenever the game wants to show. Uh, oh my God! The chaos or tyrannids are overrunning this town. <laughs> right. It's being defended by the Imperial Guard, and they're just getting their asses kicked until you get there. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. No, but I mean, but here I think they they finally get their due, and I think the game kind of gets across. Kind of what makes them so cool is, you know, in World War II there was the way sort of Stalin envisioned the way the Soviet army should work, which was, you know, commissars executing people right and left, and, you know, the, the second line of troops to shoot guys trying to leave the first line. Um, and, and, you know, that, this stuff was disastrous in practice, by and large. But in, in, in this game, oh my god, is it effective. And again, going back to what you're talking about, like, animations, like, I never get tired of watching my commissar draw his pistol mm-hmm. and shoot somebody through the head and watching the squad of Imperial Guardsmen, who a minute ago were kind of just getting rolled in melee combat. And suddenly, you know, <laughs> one of their comrades has been shot dead in front of them, and they just start tearing the shit out of whatever is in their path. <laughs> it's motivation. Well, that's that you, you bring up something but the whole uh, Stalin thing. It, that's, that's always been one of my big draws to Warhammer, both 40K and particularly fantasy. You know, I'm a I'm a history guy. You know, you slap a box with some Romans on it, and I'm going to be interested in it. And Warhammer has a real sense of history to it. And it takes all these real-world things, like, you know, the commissar putting the gun to the head, you know, charge, if you retreat, you're going to get shot. You know, and it puts it into its own world. And I have always found that appealing. Always. Yeah, I mean, like, and to an extent, you'd say, like, all these, fa- or at least most of these factions are, well, I, I, that's part of fantasy, too. Most of these factions are sort of, they have historical analogs. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the, sure. the Space Marines are so heavily influenced by medieval orders and Roman legions. Sure. 
Um, and, and then, of course, the Imperial Guard is you know very much a conscript force out there. And I mean, the fact that and the, the Tyranids are the French, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tyranids are the Mongols. Yeah. Uh, yeah, good, fair point. Um, but I mean, the faction, the faction I, I really love in this game that you know, I love how how their nature is communicated is the orcs, with their whole cowards alone and heroes in hordes. Mm-hmm. You know, mechanic you've got going there. Like I just that create that forces such an interesting way to play. You know, especially if you're playing like control point games, right? Where it's very much about like having presence everywhere on the map, and you know. You know, hitting there, hit you know, hitting here, hitting there, uh, you know, basically forcing your enemy to play whack-a-mole. And with the orcs, you've really got to work hard to adapt that to what is your core strength, which is, you know, show up with everything you got, go wah, <laughs> and then beat beat the crap out of someone. Yeah, and it, it's it's definitely a, a a unique feature of them, and 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 yeah, I guess <laughs> when earlier when I said they they didn't uh, didn't really. Stand out, I guess. Uh, you are right; they do. <laughs> I, I actually don't play as them very often, so I should not talk about that. Well, I suspect everyone no, has. For I, fun. I suspect everyone has a faction they can't stand, right? I wouldn't say I can't stand them. I'm just not drawn to them. I hate the Eldar. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't like them either, just because they're they're too fragile for me. It requires too much micromanagement to keep them alive. Uh, yeah, so I'm getting old and slow. Yeah, <laughs> take take the getting out of that, and that's that. That's me. <laughs> Um, they're a they're a they're a very tough race to play, and that's not just in Retribution, uh, which is interesting because how comparing Warhammer Fantasy to 40k and Warhammer Fantasy the elves are BS. <laughs> they they are completely unfair. I hate them. I hate people that play them because it's all about the stats and the stats of your regular elf is better than your regular human, so therefore I'm going to kick your ass with all these elves. I hate them. And then you move it into 40k and it kind of shifts. You know, if I, if I can shoot you with a, with a laser gun and you're going to die and you don't have any armor on, well, tough. I, 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 I think it's cool how they, how they kind of... And there's some powerful stuff, don't get me wrong. You get the avatar out on the field and all hell's going to break loose. But, They're banshees. I, I hate banshees. Yeah, I hate yeah, fighting. Howling, those howling banshee melee fighter women. But but yeah, they are a fragile bunch. Tough to keep alive. Maybe this is maybe this is the wrong crowd to ask this because I get the sense that we that none of us has really uh, gone to the Gladiator Academy that is online play uh, very much. I I have. I don't particularly. It's not my thing, but I have. Right. Do you guys get the sense this is a really well-balanced game? Because as I play it, like, you know, I can't really tell. Uh, I'm mostly playing co-op, and you know, or I'm playing against friends, where you can always put it down to one of us is crap. Uh, it's it's much harder to tell. It, it's much harder to identify overpowered factions for me right now. It's a tricky thing, Rob, when you're talking about a game like this, or really any RTS you're talking about balance and multiplayer because so much of it is going to depend on the skill of the player involved. It, I mean, it, for, yeah, I mean, I mean, for, for me, the, the only way to really tell if an RTS is balanced is, you know, going online a while after it's been launched and, mm-hmm. and play a few games. And if the same exact strategy is used against you every time, uh, that's a, a strong indication that that strategy and that faction is imbalanced because, Otherwise, I mean, you, you can you can go on and say, oh, that that's not balance, but 
you'll find out later, oh, I just wasn't, I was doing it wrong. You know, I, I just, I wasn't, I, I hadn't thought of the, the counter. Um, and the and player I, base too. Right, right. The player base will know. If you if you go to a game that's been out for, for any kind of extended period of time, just look and see who's being played. Right. You know, because those guys, they, they are going to figure it out down to the number. Uh, but that, but that's, that's, only, that's only valid, you know, among the hardest core guys because if you look at the community as a whole, they're going to gravitate towards the human factions because that's what they, what, yeah. what they know and understand. Um, and, you know, in, in, in the case of like Starcraft, for example, the, 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 the humans are, uh, you know, much more identifiable with what, what they do. And, you know, that it's what they play the, the single player campaign as people gravitate towards them. Um, so, that, but, and, and, you know, so the overall multiplayer stats are going to show a, uh, a tendency, you know, toward, toward playing the, the humans, but, uh, that doesn't mean they're in balance. So it's. There, it's it's so hard to determine if a multiplayer game is actually balanced. Well, and, and this one in particular, because depending on who you choose to be your hero, every faction seems to play very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really a lot like um, Age of Mythology in that respect, right? Where, yeah, it's the same faction, but you chose a different build, so you're basically playing a different game. So it's not really, it, you know, it's not really six factions. At times it almost feels like you're dealing more like with 18. Right. And you know it's the same kind of thing with with um, I guess Command and Conquer three had the expansion where they had the sub factions uh, and each one of them has a, has a different variation on several units. Um, so you know it's the same faction, but but you've opened up a whole different can of worms because a few stats have changed. And in, in the case of of Dawn of War, it's it's mostly the the one hero that changes, but but that still changes your abilities. It changes like you know if you can call down turrets, it changes if you can call, yeah. you can cast buffs it does all kinds of things like that yeah and, and these things matter a great deal and then you know you've got i mean yeah i mean as you get into like the minutiae of how you want to kid out your hero i mean it's just it just you know it's kind of a rabbit hole and so i, I look at it i'm like how the hell would you begin balancing something like this because there's so many little there's so many little places for it to skew yeah it's it's i'm i'm really glad that that relic opened up the beta testing um mm-hmm. on this one in particular they had a wide open beta for I think a couple of weeks before it launched, um, to to shake those down because, well, you know when the when the hardcore players get in there and and start start uh, you know figuring out where where the balance does fail, um, the the whole game can get such a such a bad rap. Oh, it's it's this imbalanced piece of crap, you know because because it launched with this problem. Um, uh, so I'm I'm glad to see Relic actually you know proactively try to head that off. Yeah. And talking about the multiplayer, I think it's worth noting for those that that haven't played any of the games that I think that the design of the multiplayer is is quite good. Oh yeah, I I really enjoy the fighting over specific spots, you know, your resource points and and all that stuff. Oh yeah, I it's, think, it's much more much more interesting than managing a bunch of peons. Yes, yes, and then just kind of throwing your units at each other and whoever wins. I I I love the core design of, of multiplayer. But I think the, the main reason that I don't play it as much is, is what kind of what we talked about earlier. You know, I need to find people that are of my skill level and, you know, nothing can frustrate me more. Now, granted, if I, if, if I had a bit more patience, I would actually try to learn (laughs) from, you know, I get my butt kicked. Gee, let's see, let's look what happens. See how this guy just completely eviscerated me, but I don't do that. I just get mad. And then, you know, know, something else. In our line of work, Bill, I mean, there's a, there are so many games that we have to play. Yes, that, I know. And with with an RTS in particular, 
it, it really takes some some time invested to, to learn the the ins and outs and find the, the the faction that works best for you then learn that that you know what strategy works best and there's just so much trial and error in there that that it, you know it, it takes some time well this is always kind of like an awkward point where like you know you, you review these games you talk about them you're, you're a critic of them uh, but I mean you know the I'll, I'll be the first to admit to someone I know this genre pretty well I play a lot of these games that also requires that I suck at most of them. Yes. You know, because it's just, you, you have to spread yourself thin. Uh, but, that, but then it, it does frustrate me a little because, you know, you, you talk to someone who really knows these games and they understand it on this, on this really deep perceptive level where they can really get into the minutia of it and see how the pieces fit together. And that I sometimes wish, like, I had the skill to access that level of information, you know, firsthand. Yeah. Oh, and you know that, that reminds me of, of a uh, uh, when I reviewed uh, uh, Dawn of War One Dark Crusade, the, the expansion for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it that that one added the the Tau and the Necron. Yeah. And um, I I played that and 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 you know I I recruited a couple of people to play multiplayer against, and the Necron just felt obscenely overpowered, especially relative yes. to the Tau. Like I, I could not, I could not do anything with the Tau. Like uh, you know, playing through that one also allowed you to play through the campaign as either either faction. I think you could play as any faction. It was it was kind of a wide open campaign. But um, going through as the Necron, I just steamrolled everything. And then they I played so through. Nasty. Yeah, I played played through again as the Tau, and it was just getting my ass kicked. Um, and you know, th- then I would play some multiplayer, and I would I would you know beat the crap out of the other guys in Necron, and then I I tried to you know switch sides and i just couldn't do anything so i put in my review the that the necrons were overpowered uh-huh. um, and, and yeah so so and, and you know I, I think i had legitimate reason to think that um and so you know some some reader picks up the you know gets hold of my email and and uh, and challenges me to to a to a match i'm like well this is this is going to end poorly oh, i already yeah. knew this is going to end poorly <laughs> But but you know I, I I took him on and he of course wiped the floor with me like mercilessly, uh, playing as as the Tau against my Necrons. Um, but and you know it goes back to that though because because you know he he obviously had invested a lot of time and knew every in and out of, of the of the Tau, whereas you know when when you're reviewing a game uh, you play it thoroughly you play it for you know I, I probably had put thirty plus hours into that game. Uh, you know, just just playing around for for the review, um, but that, that was nothing to compa- compared to this guy. So, uh, you know, I was I was just at a, at a huge disadvantage, and yeah, I I think I, I have to kind of stand by my point in in that that the the tower is such a finesse class that that you know two two players of equal skill level, uh, you know, uh, who aren't pros going at it are. <laughs> I mean, the, the the Necrons are overpowered relative to the Tau in that in that regard. I would I would I would agree completely. <laughs> uh, absolutely, the Necron were were just mean, yeah. and so much. And again, it goes back to the whole point about it. So, it, it, so much that depends on the skills of the players involved. It, yeah. It's a it's a hard thing to to pin down, particularly if you're like you mentioned, if you, if you're kind of standing on the sidelines watching. You know, seeing you know who's doing what, like you know, you watch 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 some games. It can be very difficult to determine the power of the races. 
Yeah. Although, you know, I, I will say that that uh, even though I thought the Necrons were overpowered and, that, and I held that against the game, uh, I was bummed out when, when they announced, every time they announced an expansion for Dawn of War 2, I'm bummed out that they don't add the Necrons. <laughs> because I, I do enjoy that, that, that side. Yeah, they're fun. They're fun. I always found the Tau kind of boring, actually. Yeah, they're, they're another one of those races that it's like, okay, I don't really understand you. You're kind of No, and I, I don't either. Now, yeah. they're a new thing. The Tau are somewhat new. Uh, when I was really into 40K in college, this is early 90s, uh, there were no Tau. This, this, is, this, is, this is somewhat of a new, new race. Right. I'm not sure when they were at it now, now, now that I think about it. I'm not sure when they tossed them in, but they were not one of the originals. Sometime when we weren't looking. Yeah. Well, the Necron, too. The Necron were, were also a new one. They, they, they dumped the dwarves and added the undead. Yeah. Well, they're, they're the Egyptian Borg. Yeah, yeah, that's good. All right, before we call it a night, I should mention that if you visit your nearest newsstand, you will find the, I think it's the May issue of PC Gamer. Is that right, Dan? Uh, yeah, that one should be, uh, should be out there right now. That's the one with uh, Crisis 2 on the cover. Right, the May issue of PC Gamer, uh, that will have Dan's review of Retribution, uh, Troy's review of War in the East, which seems to be one of uh, Flash of Steel's and uh, Three Moves Ahead's games of the year, uh, and it will have my first tactical advantage column. Uh, going forward, I'll likely be contributing much more to PC Gamer, and uh, proving the reports of a strategy golden age might be somewhat exaggerated, uh, based on my play experiences of the past few weeks. Uh, but it's a great magazine, you should all check it out, along with NoHighScores.com. Uh, now, gentlemen, what do we want next from Relic? <laughs> Homeworld 3. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Period. I mean, yeah, I, that, that, I, I, I'll just leave it at that. Home yeah, World I'm not 3. sure what else there is to say. <laughs> okay, fine. It, it's not allowed to be Homeworld 3. There. Oh, well, that's not fair. Well. It, it, impossible Creatures 2? No. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. I think, I think we got that. It was called Spore. Well, let's see. If... if if I can't have that, um, I, I I would I would love to see an, a new Company of Heroes. Really, I mean, it's it's that that game, Company of Heroes, one yeah, it was you know, the the original. Uh, it was was the highest score I've I've handed out at PC Gamer. I gave it a ninety six just because it was it was such an engrossing game, um, and just so brilliantly done. Uh, I would I would love to see them just go go back. Although you know I, I I'm. Now that I think about it, I'm not sure. I'm not sure a Company of Heroes 2 is needed right now because the engine still looks so good and the gameplay is still so good yeah. that I, I don't know. I don't know if it needs a, a sequel yet. So we're back to Homeworld. <laughs> Our, well, we never let's left. Not, let's not jump ahead of ourselves here. We still got some more hammer to get to get done here with Relic. I mean, they're they're firing off the Space Marine, right? Right, right. I mean, that that's that is their their next game is is uh, you know a third person action game. Um, which you know, not not exactly their forte, but it it I am, looks very pretty. Yes, it does, and I am genuinely curious to see what that's like, and not just because I'm such a Warhammer geek. To see Relic try this, I I can't wait to see what happens, good or bad. It might be a colossal failure for all I know, but it, I I want to see it. Well, I'm I'm really excited by it because yeah, I mean. It, you know, if there's one thing I kind of miss again to go back to that golden era of PC game or the the uh, PC gaming, the the late '90s. You know, when developers would actually try different genres. I mean, like take the Looking Glass model for instance, um, where it's you know, okay, we're doing an action game, we're doing a strategy game, and that's so rare now 
that it's just really exciting for me to see like relic uh, basically you know you know say okay we we've we've got rts's everyone knows we can do that let's do a shooter and not just any shooter but you know i mean as i understand it, at least they're they're trying to really make like the experience of being a space marine different from being in a garden variety shooter different from being the space marine you are in every other shooter <laughs> right yeah where you're um, you're, you're an honest to god space marine not just a guy wearing a costume Right, um, and this this is actually not Relic's first shooter. I don't think they they made one uh, console only World War II shooter. I believe I forget what it was called the because heck I didn't was that called? play it. I, I would have to I would have to Google it, but it's it was right. it was it was I a World to, War II console. I have to know now. Hang on, <laughs> <laughs> I have to find out what you're talking about. To Moby Games. Yeah, I I did not play it because it never came out on PC. I got nothing. It, what was the, the outfit? Was strategy? Uh, according to their website, it's genre strategy. That's all. I, uh, I, 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 I don't I, even remember this game. Yeah, it was. It was that. That was that was definitely it. Um, Xbox 360, even. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I, I, like I said, I never played it. But I, I heard it was a shoot. Oh, th- third person action game. Yeah. Okay. So this I, website's lying to me then. Uh, well, I, I think I'm. I think I'm looking at the same one. It's, uh, let's see. Um, but yeah, Whatever. so it, it probably had strategy <laughs> elements. Yeah. We digress. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I want another homeworld game because basically, no one's gotten space strategy right since. Um, yeah, not really. I mean, since the Solar I don't know about that. Oh, yeah, since the Solar Empire was excellent. Yes, that's wonderful. Yeah, different but, kind of, game, but yeah, it's still. Yeah, I mean, when I when I say I mean something really specific, like the sense of the difficulty commanding a fleet in three D space. Right. You know what I mean? Like just just how that changes the 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 whole Ender's Game leap you've got to make, where you know, you know, there is no up, there is no down, and it, that maybe didn't matter as much in Homeworld as it initially seemed. Uh, but but still knowing that you know your your fleet could approach from on high or you know that 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 there was that verticality was as important as you know horizontal movement like that everything was relative that really interested me um, and I that's kind of what I want back. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like I, I think in Homeworld it didn't end up being that big a deal that that you could you know really approach from different angles because I mean weapon facings weren't weren't right. that important right and and armor facings weren't that important um but just the the knowledge that i could do it even though i i rarely did was a, a huge part of that for me yeah now if i mean homeworld 3 you know homeworld 3 i mean uh, or a new homeworld game I would, i'd be really excited about that um and honestly i mean you know one of my dreams ever since i've saw ever since i saw uh company of heroes is i always kind of wished that we could get a a relic take on the old close combat series Mm. like you know take those take the take that engine um and just you know see see if they could see if they could sort of recapture what uh what microsoft did you know with uh the close combat series because i mean many war game designers have kind of tried to bottle that lightning since then and I've just I've never found a really satisfactory uh, substitute for it. You know, I mean, Octane Panzer was was really good, but you know, I I would just I would you know what what what's kind of missing for me is the vividness of that game. And I think you know if Relic ever wanted to try its hand at a war game, I I would so be there. 
in a heartbeat. Yeah. Well, you know, if, if if we get to if we get to broaden our scope, you know what I, what I want uh, Relic to do? Remake XCOM. Because <laughs> I want everybody to do that. <laughs> All right. And on that note, now that we have stated our wish for homeworld for for a new homeworld for a Relic XCOM and a Relic War game. Um, on that note, I think on that hopeful note, I think we'll leave off for the night. Thanks for listening. Good night. <laughs>